I've got a hunger Twisting my stomach into knots That my tongue is tied off Hey everybody, welcome to We Have the Facts, Learning the Facts. This is our bonus episode series. Ho-ho! <laughs> uh, I'm your host, Ali Abdelatif, and with me as always is my co-host, Justin Tachi. And interviewer. Yes, so, okay, these are bonus episodes that Justin and I are recording, uh, where Justin's going to be interviewing musicians, singer-songwriters, people in the music industry... Just asking them about their music and their connection to Death Cab. And really just learning more about what they have to say and what's 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 their part in this crazy thing we call the music industry and how they feel about it. And This kind of... crazy thing we call the <laughs> Oh, this crazy <laughs> thing we call the music industry. <laughs> the roaring 20s. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we wanted to do like a bonus series where Justin gets to talk to these people and... Uh, I'm barely in it. I think I might pop up in the end, uh, but it's yeah. I mean, Ali, I I I feel like I just kind of kind of riff with a with a uh, with an artist or a musician and just kind of uh, ask them about their background, um, what they're kind of into, how they got into music, um, how they got into music, what makes them tick about the music industry, and also what they're listening to. Kind of have them plug whatever they got going on in their career. Also, obviously, what they how they feel about Death Cab because we gotta fit in a little Death Cab into everything. <laughs> but it's uh, less not to be fair though. I feel like people that like the nonsense are not gonna like these interviews anymore. I think uh, maybe that there might be some nonsense. Yeah, it's not. Really <laughs> uh, these, these are interviews for people who are curious about other musicians and curious about their connection to Death Cab and, and curious about how people start in the business and, and where they take their careers. Um, today's interview is with, uh, a musician that I very much love and, and Justin's, uh, been listening to her as well. And like, is, we're really into her music sprightly. Yeah. Um, my conversation with Jillian, uh, that's her, her name. Uh, she was, she was fucking incredible. Uh, very humble, just a really all around nice person, really cool to talk to nice and easy. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was just a good conversation. I felt like, um, Ali was in the room while we were recording cause he had to make sure, cause just, just to let you know, Ali does all the work on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I do nothing. I just show up and say stupid shit. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, uh, Sprightly, uh, uh, you know, she dove into some of her background in where she went to college with a vocal performance and how she got into how she writes songs. It was really just an interesting look into uh, an artist's mind and how they feel about things. And also, kind of crazy, what she said, has to say about Death Cab. And she also did school me on Death Cab, to she be fair. She did, she did. This is all in the interview. Please listen. We hope you like this series. If you have any feedback for us, please let us know. Email us. Yeah, or... We have um, the facts pod at gmail.com or hit us up on instagram at or twitter at at the facts pod also if you have any artists or you are an artist that wants to talk to us and have have us interview you um please reach out especially i would say probably the email is probably the best way to reach out to us and uh maybe we could set something up uh yeah i mean i think i really like this idea and i think that we want to do more of these i don't think that i'd like to do just as many of these and kind of keep going yeah, we also, uh, we, like, we love Jillian's work and we want you to support her. So go to P- Spotify, look up, uh, Sprightly. S-P-R-I-T-E-L-Y music. 
Well, I mean, on Spotify, it's just Sprightly. But if you want to follow her on Instagram, it's Sprightly Music. Um, also, her Twitter is uh, at Sprightly Music. Uh, apparently, she uh, like she says in the interview, she's in the process of buying just the just at Sprightly on yeah, Instagram. Good luck to her on that. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> showing the real entrepreneurial spirit. <laughs> if you are a listener and a fan of this podcast, and you have the at Sprightly handle, just give it to her, guys. Why, yeah. why are you giving her a hard time? Yeah, come on, great man. lady. Why are you doing this? But yes, please support her work. She's coming out with an album, hopefully soon, maybe at the end of the year. Uh, she's she. Has, she says she's shooting for like a late October release for the whole EP. We're very excited for it. We're very excited to see more of her music, and we'd love for you guys to go out there and support her as much, as best you can. Yeah, I think it's honest artists like these that really deserve um people's respect and people's uh just you know support. Um, well, I guess uh nothing else. We should just uh, lead into the conversation. Here's my conversation with Jillian Sprightly. Bye. So, um, thanks for coming on, by the way. For sure. My pleasure. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I don't know, did you actually listen to any of the podcasts or anything? I did. You just have the intro episode up right now, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. No, we haven't, um, we actually are putting the first episode up tonight, um, we oh, want cool. to do, uh, so basically what we're doing is we're going through all the albums, uh, kind of, uh, and just giving our commentary on it. And we wanted to just start doing interviews with artists that, uh, either up and coming or whoever we can really find. And, uh, you liked some of our posts and we ended up listening to some of your stuff. And, oh. like, and um, Ali really liked your stuff. I like, uh, listened to the New York New York cover and I was like, oh, this is pretty good, like whatever. And then, um, <laughs> then I listened to like she. He's like, yeah, no, like you gotta listen to like the rest of it. And I listened to the other songs. I was like, this blows the other shit out of the out of the water. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> just figured I'd uh, let you know straight off the bat, a fan. <laughs> so, thank you. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like I, I guess I recorded those songs like two years ago. So I'm getting to that point in the artistic cycle where I'm looking back and kind of cringing actually <laughs> yeah i mean i will say this like i feel like the first track was very like poppy and whatever and stuff like that but i can tell like the ep seemed a little bit more edgy and like uh had a little more oomph to it which i liked so uh, i guess it's those songs that like at heart i wrote them from a really like indie kind of emo place and yeah. then i teamed up with a very pop producer so it ended up coming out like I was really happy with how it came out. It was just like an interesting blend that I wouldn't have like expected. Yeah, um, kind of reminded me, at least the, the EP uh, kind of reminded me of uh, like a cross between Lord and um, and Julian Baker. If they like were together. I'm actually not too familiar with Julian Baker, although I she means just like a household name at this point. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, I guess uh, we're recording right now, right? We're recording right, right now. So. so we'll jump um, yeah, um, so we're Great, well, greetings. Uh, one second. Okay. <laughs> Gotta get loose for the pod. No, you can't, this is unprofessional, you can't just chug what? a beer and cry. I'm not chugging a beer. I apologize, I'm just... sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, alright. Hi, welcome to We Have the Facts. With me today, I have Sprightly. Hello, hello. How's it going? And, uh, we'll be talking, uh, we'll be talking about, uh, Death Cab her background, and also uh, kind of what she's into these days and what's next for her. 
Um, I guess we should dive right into it and kind of talk about uh, Death Cab and what your influences are and uh, like and uh, what your some of your favorite records are and all that kind of fun stuff. Oh man. Uh, well, I first started listening to or first heard songs by Death Cab when I was in like, middle school, early high school, and first song was uh, was Soulmate's Body. I was like, whoa, this is unlike anything I've ever heard before. And then I listened to their other stuff, and I had that thought of, like, this is really good, and I should like this, but I'm not ready to like it yet. Uh, I, I think I had a similar experience as well. I think it was kind of on a, a different playing playing field, especially compared to other stuff in high school that people were listening to. Yeah, I, Death Cab really made it onto my radar screen in a serious way, like, three years ago, um, when Kintsugi came out. Okay. Which, kind of unexpected because most people are all about plans and transatlanticism, which I am also all about. <laughs> but oddly enough, I'm going to say that my favorite record is Kintsugi. And wow, that, that's, okay, that, that's a first. I haven't heard that before. <laughs> I mean, like the songs on plans and transatlanticism are, are just, they are classics to me. But Kintsugi just hit me at a point in my life and so thoroughly like on every song that just like I don't know just like wound itself into my bloodstream being poetic about that sounds weird but uh, <laughs> it was I, just I get it. it resonated with you <laughs> it was like the musical influence that I always had but never was able to name until then yeah and then it became like my go-to like I want to be Death Cab <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad goal to strive for. <laughs> um, do, now, do you dive back to, like, the earlier albums? Like, we have the facts or, like, uh, photo album? Getting obsessed with that album just, like, strengthened or sparked the desire to go back and go more thoroughly into plans and transatlanticism and um, now stairs. And even there's a song that I recently, I recently heard for the first time. It was off one of their EPs. Little Bribes from the Open Door EP. I love that EP. Uh, that was right after the Narrow Stairs uh, era. So um, that was a really cool spot. Uh, also, um, um, well, uh, actually a question that we like to answer on this podcast and we've kind of been diving into is, um, so a, ba- a band like Death Cab for Cutie has like a really uh, grandiose photography. Uh, how do you like? T- how do you, as a music listener and an artist, tackle uh, taking on a band with like a or an artist with like a huge discography? Like, what do you go to first? Well, it's been. I feel like I've always been more of a singles listener, especially in you know the nature of the music industry nowadays, with streaming and whatnot. Just the model is more geared towards singles. But even before that, I would just like pick particular songs that hit me. It's very rare that I find an album that I or a song that I'm drawn enough to to explore the album and then give myself the time to fall in love with that album um with Death Cab I obviously did that for like three or four of them <laughs> just cause you know one song leads to another and well and especially when you have a band like that that kind of I feel like writes a whole record that has you know each song bleeds into the next it's kind of easy to get into a whole album I would say probably right but even them, I really only know, I would say, Thor records worth. Um, and I'm saving the other ones for when, you know. Um, well, we should probably dive into uh, your background, because the interview is about you. And um, I was just wanted to go, like, where did you grow up? And uh, 
what, what, I don't know, what part of the country did you grow up in and what scene were you a part of? Gotcha. Well, I was, I grew up in Westchester County, New York. Oh, okay. 45 minutes to an hour north of Manhattan. Um, I'm a Jersey boy myself, so I know Westchester. <laughs> okay, yeah. So grew up around there. Um, and then I moved to Florida when I was a junior in high school. And I was there for two years. I went to a musical theater high school. So that's riot. It was they were the worst two years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why were they? Oh God. I just never really never really made those like lasting friends. I spent most of my time by myself. My parents acted like we were on vacation the entire time, so they were just like going to the beach every day and I was coming home from school like this is the worst. Also my my dance teacher was emotionally abusive. Oof. Ooh, yeah. Was, the teachers were not nice. But it did get me to audition for um, the popular music program at USC, Southern California. Um, and I got into that for vocals. Went there for the past four years. Graduated a year ago. And now I've been in Manhattan for all that time. Okay, that's awesome. Well, congratulations. So uh, I guess we should dive back to uh, kind of what got you into music. Like, where did you really start? Um, what were, like, like your first experience with music and what really kind of drew you to it? Uh, well, all I, like, the first thing I remember about myself and my identity as, like, a baby was that I knew I wanted to be a singer. I don't know why. I don't exactly know when it started. I just know that, like, I was, like, pushing that from day one. There are, like, home videos of me singing the ABCs at, like, three or four or whatever. And I know I was definitely standing there like, I'm the best <laughs> three or four-year-old in town. No. Um, I was pretty obnoxious for a really long time. <laughs> like, I was just really obnoxiously like, I'm a singer, and I'm going to be a famous singer like Britney Spears one day. And then... Hey, you knew what you wanted. <laughs> yeah. And then I hit puberty and realized that it was, like, mega hard. And I started listening to emo music and, like, reading Harry Potter and just completely retreated um, and, you know, shifted my perspective on the whole thing. I still, like, knew exactly what I wanted to do, but I was much more quiet and jaded and cynical about it for a really long time. So you I went started from, like, the big boastful, boastful artist to the, the, the dark <laughs> um, yeah, looking inward artist. Until I hit, like, 10, like 11 years old, and then all of a sudden I was like this brooding, all black wearing, dyed my hair blue, Harry Potter reading little misfit <laughs> that I just go home and play guitar and like cover songs in my bed for hours. Okay. Now I'm curious, uh, um, especially coming, I mean, myself, I come from like the punk and hardcore scene and that kind of stuff. Um, an interesting question I like to always ask kids or people when they were growing up. Were your parents like, what the hell's going on with Jillian? Like, what's, like, or were they like supportive of like the, the, uh, what you were trying to do or? This, I mean, I would always try to play like, uh, Escape the Fate in the car and stuff like that. And <laughs> my sister would be like, this is horrible. I don't want to endure this. Turn it off. And I was like, why? I genuinely couldn't understand why they didn't want to listen to Escape the Fate. I'm like, why? It's so good. Are you talking about the Ronnie Radke years? Yes, definitely. <laughs> Not into them once Craig joined the team. But, yeah, no, other than that, they're just like, I'm third daughter, so I guess they figured I'd be weird at some point. <laughs> and I read a lot of books and got good grades, so they weren't really worried about me. Okay. 
That's good. Um, so you're saying you got into the emo scene and all that kind of stuff, and got into Escape from Fate. What are some of the some of the other bands you were listening to? I got them all from my older sister Kelly. I would just like give her my iPod once a month, my little pink iPod mini, and have her update all the songs, put everything she had on there. Um, so they were just like an eclectic mix of like a couple songs from each artist, and most of them are really under the radar. Um, I doubt you'll know any of these, but like Firescape, Streamline, um, those were two big no ones. Streamline. You do? Yeah. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I've heard I've heard of them, but like I no way. I couldn't yeah. tell you a song, but like back in the day, I, I I've heard of them. <laughs> and they they weren't even like an emo band; they were like a country ish, like yeah. singer songwriter thing. But then like Jack's Mannequin, super into them. Not emo either, but like. Compared I mean, to what I can argue that that they are <laughs> alternative, something corporate, super into them. A couple months, Paramore, <laughs> and then it kind of just evolved. That was like early on. That was like before sixteen, and then from there, just yeah, got more pop from there. Um, that you bring up Paramore, I'm just curious because I know that a lot of female singers kind of feel this uh, cynical attitude towards them. It's just like if you're a female artist and you go in like the punk or like rock outfit you're automatically like uh compared to paramore <laughs> do you think that that's kind of like unjust and like feel like ridiculous about it and like how do you feel about that i don't think it's unjust like people use the tools they have to describe stuff um but it is kind of like a a cliche like oh another person comparing you to paramore <laughs> yeah exactly all right. Uh, so when you were doing, uh, I guess jumping forward to like college time and all that kind of stuff, when you were doing vocal, uh, you majored in vocals, uh, vocal performance, I assume. Yes. Well, I majored in popular music with a vocal emphasis, so it was one major with all the, all the musicians of a, you know, modern pop rock band, okay. or, you know, anything. Lots of producers and drummers and bassists and whatever. So we had all the same classes, and I was specifically a vocalist. Now, did you guys, like, make bands, go play music all around town and all that kind of fun stuff? Tell me some experiences about, like, uh, kind of playing shows there and kind of stuff like that. Man, I hate to feel, like, washed up at the age of 23, but I'm going to jump on the bandwagon and say they're the best years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that <laughs> I hope that more amazing years will come, but, like, freshman and sophomore year were so fun like you have no responsibilities and also I was doing everything I never realized I wanted to do and I was just like completely motivated by it because the classes were that they would put us in bands and then assign us songs every week um from the era starting like freshman year first day in the 50s and then at the end of sophomore year we got up to like the uh, the 2000s so we were just uh like assigned to recreate every last detail of those songs and then perform them in class each week and it was so such an incredible learning experience so much freaking fun really freaking hard too but that was just like in school and then everyone also was making their own bands outside of class i feel like you gotta hustle if you're doing that kind of work right yeah everyone was eager to start their own artist project from the day we got there um, and I started writing songs like halfway through that year that I actually cared about. I'd been writing for a couple of years, but I, I knew that my songs were shit. 
until like halfway through that year. And then I was like, okay, this one is actually good. Like I'd want to play this for people. So I got a bunch of my friends together and started so, doing spray. I was going to say, uh, speaking about your songwriting, uh, what did you, what's your approach to writing a song? Like kind of like, how do you tackle that? I mean, I sure, I'm sure it's different all the time, but like, what would you say is your special sauce? I, the only like definitive thing I can say is that I always start with the melody. Like sometimes I'll have topics or like a couple of words that are, um, that are influential or inspiring it, but I can't really start putting words down until I get a melody that I'm really into. So that could either come from just like hearing the plain melody in my head or from like fiddling around with chords that I like and then waiting for something to come along. From then on, I, I don't know, I just, I try to get a verse and chorus down at least. Now do you like write like poetry and like have like a notebook of like all like, uh, like words, phrases and all that kind of stuff or are you, are you kind of just like take each song singularly and try to write about a topic? I feel like I'm more, I'm more of like a one-shot writer. Like I won't write for a long time and then I do write and like I, I, a lot of people are like, you need to write a song a day and like exercise your muscles. I'm not about that. I've tried to do that. It wrecks my self-esteem because I don't end up liking what I write or liking the process. So I kind of just wait for it to come along. Um, I don't really write poetry occasionally, maybe like I journal sometimes, but mostly I wait until something's like really moving me and then I try to write. And I'm not saying like every song I write ends up getting recorded. Obviously not. It's probably like one in six. Yeah, or I, mean, so. I, I feel like that's also a good, good sign of a good artist though, is that like you realize that like, you know, you got to kind of work on the craft a little bit and not just put everything out there. Cause especially if you oversaturate yourself, I feel like a lot of these bands are kind of screwed. So taking to, uh, I guess while we're talking about songwriting, maybe talking about a little bit broken, how, uh, how did you approach those songs and kind of where were you at? And, uh, and that was I know, so I know, I know, I know you said cringeworthy before, but I'm going to have to have you uh, talk about this. I'm happy to do it. Okay. So a little bit broken is probably the most, not the most interesting story of them all, but, um, it was the most like, I don't know transcendental to be cheesy just that like i pretty much for lack of a better term got dumped or like got majorly rejected by someone i just confessed like my feelings for and i walked from that spot to the practice rooms the, like usc thornton practice rooms where they have all the pianos and whatever and like while i was crossing the street i whipped out my voice memos because i was hearing this like just a little bit broken oh no 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 i was hearing the verse actually but also that eventually. So I have this like minute and 30 second voice memo of when I was walking to the practice rooms that has the entire skeleton of the song on it that just didn't exist before I got up and started walking. Um, and then once I got there, it was like an hour later, the song was done. Oh. Um, and that was, yeah, that was like the quickest, most judgment free, most stress free, effortless, writing session I've ever had and then I could just hear everything from the moment I was writing it like I could hear all the instruments and the arrangement and stuff um so yeah that was, that was a pretty crazy time this just goes to show the power of you know emotion and all that stuff <laughs> all that fun stuff right <laughs> 
so cliche, but it works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I actually have to say, uh, probably my favorite track of yours is actually Miles. Uh, that blew me the fuck away. So. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, thank you. Yeah. What led you to do the uh, the Frank Sinatra um, uh, cover? When did I do it, or uh, how did what I... led you to like have that happen? How did that end up happening? And by the way, congrats on like six hundred thousand listens. It's fucking insane. I know it's insane. That's <laughs> unfathomable. Yeah, I haven't even checked that in a while. That's crazy. Uh, I with the New York, New York cover that was pretty much directly because I was moving from L.A. to New York. I had wanted to do a classic cover and like recreate a pretty well-known classic song reharmonize it, whatever, give it a completely different vibe. Um, and I was racking my brain for like a year for the perfect song. And then um, graduation rolled around and I realized that I wasn't happy in LA. I'd always thought that I was going to stay there forever after school. And then I realized like, but I'm actually like really lonely here and all my family's in New York. So it started to dawn on me that I think I should move back. And thus, New York, New York <laughs> popped into my head. And I was like, I wonder what I could do with this. So I was going to say, I do, I do dig the stripped down feel to it. It is awesome. I like your approach to it. I even like your little, uh, the video is pretty cool too. I just, I mean, it's very simple and elegant, but definitely uh, uh, take me behind, like, kind of like what made you want to do that video like that. Well, that was me literally taking down my room, real life room in LA. Oh, um, oh okay. So. I def I don't know. I I just wanted to put it to video. I had these friends that were down to do it and it was just a nice like cathartic project for us all to do. Can't remember whose idea it was, like the overlay of the different people kind of like that time lapse feel. Um but that was just pretty straight up like the motivation behind doing that song and that's what I meant by it um it was I did like a sad interpretation because I was really sad to be leaving and I was really torn about whether or not it should be and I thought I was going to come right back so um being a year in it do you feel like uh New York was the best move uh a good move for you yeah, I have a storage unit back in LA. I've been paying for it this whole year, and I think I'm gonna go sometime this summer and empty it out. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nerve wracking because I don't know still like where I'll be in two years. Maybe I want to go back. Who knows? But I've been much much happier in New York. There's just a lot more stimulation and love and realness <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny because being from like new york new jersey area myself i feel like <laughs> it's actually not a place of love and happiness but everyone oh, so, yeah, everyone's so honest that it's like <laughs> there's no bullshit there's no superficiality i guess i'm saying that because like all of my extended family lives there and I managed to uh, meet someone that I started making music with, and then we started dating, so I have him to thank for these feelings of belonging there. I just feel like I have this really amazing network of friends and family there that I never gained in L.A. as much as I loved it there. Uh, well, I guess, what's next for uh, Sprightly? What, uh, what, what are you uh, working on next? Uh, lots of stuff. We recorded in February. 
uh, four songs that will be as singles and then an EP maybe over the course of the summer into the fall. Actually, my producer's calling me right now. I will decline his call. <laughs> um, I'm really excited about it. It's getting mixed right now. Um, so once we have everything done and mixed, we'll put out, like, we'll, you know, plan out the release schedule and who knows, maybe a music. Nothing scheduled yet, but my schedule is open. My heart is open. Eyes are open. Spirit's open. Life's open. Everything's open. Peace, love, music. So is the record <laughs> called Open? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. Um, bad joke. I don't know if I should call it like like the name of one of the songs or not. What is Death Cab Kintsugi? There is not a song called Kintsugi. However, with the other records, they they've were usually a, they've never had a, their albums have never been um, translated. Oh yeah, I'm stupid. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Eh. I mean, that's a pretty epic song I'll title. Flip me off, by the way. Just letting you know. <laughs> He's on your side. Oh, hey. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Oh, yeah. I'm wrong. Wow. Embarrassing. Um, <laughs> uh, can you, who, what's the producer that you're working with? His name is Drew Long. Uh, he, interesting story. I heard one of the songs that he produced. My friend in LA in like March, April showed me this song. I was like, Hey, Jill, I think you'll really like this. Listen to it. Became obsessed with it. Listened to it like four times a day. It then became my number one, like on Spotify, they give you the year wrap of your most listened to songs. And it was the most listened to song um, behind another song that was a minute and 30 seconds. So it doesn't count because I had to replay it twice in order to, you know, match up. But yeah, so super obsessed with that song. I stalked him on the internet, couldn't find him. And then the song, I, the it's called New Friend by Rilo. Okay. R-I-L-O. It's an amazing song. <laughs> I tried really hard to find this producer, couldn't find him. Messed the artist, didn't answer me. Moved to New York, and then I miraculously ended up stumbling across his profile on the internet. And I noticed that we had a mutual friend. So I hit up a mutual friend. And I was like, hey, can you connect me via email? So we went out to drinks and started working together. And, um, yeah, I'm really excited about what we're doing right now. I uh, I think I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited, like more excited about anything else I've ever done. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Um, I'm stoked, and I'm sure I'll be stoked as well to hear the new stuff. Um, and, uh, do you have a time around when you're thinking about releasing? Logistically, like, I wish I could get the first song out in July. I don't think that's going to happen. So maybe August for the first song. Okay. And then specking the others throughout September and October. And then the full shebang late October. Alright, cool. Just, uh, speculation though, these things always get pushed back. <laughs> like, just eternally endlessly push back <laughs> so we'll see all right that's fair um is there anything else that uh, uh other than the riley rilo song or riley song um that you've been listening to lately or something that you um yeah yeah i've been listening to um well still like a bunch of singles but the last full uh record i've been invested in was bb bridger's 
Stranger in the Alps. That, uh, that's one of my favorite records of 2017. It is yeah, spectacular. It is my favorite record of 2017. And I fangirled the fuck out. Am I allowed to curse on this? You can, you can, okay. <laughs> you can definitely curse. Yeah, like, I was back to middle schooler status, just like, oh my god, have you heard of this new person? I'm obsessed with them. Just like, <laughs> treating this person like a complete celebrity. And then, over the course of the last few months, I realized that, like, we have a zillion mutual friends. Like, my friends in L.A., like, know her personally, and just, like, a bunch of people, because, you know, she's from L.A., and yeah. I actually met her once at a party a couple of years ago, and I didn't realize that until recently, so I just feel like a such a dweeb right now, being like, oh my god, she's so amazing, and then realizing that I almost know her, personally. <laughs> I mean, she is pretty awesome. Um, what's what, uh, since you're a single person, what's the, uh, what's the favorite track? Uh, the first one I heard was Smoke Signals, and then I gotta say, I'm just gonna go with Motion Sickness. That is, that's gonna be timeless for me. It is so impactful. That's fair. Uh, yeah. Um, I really do dig the, uh, the Connor Overs duet with, uh, with her. Yo, I, like, ugh. I can't even talk. I, like, to sleep with that playing, because it was so beautiful. Have you seen the music video? No, I actually haven't seen the music video. It's really trippy. You should check it out. All right, I'll have to uh, check it out. Yeah, I know. Actually, on uh, one, of, we always like to at the end of the podcast, we like to at the end of the episodes, we talk about things that we're listening to or watching, and we uh, we plug the Feet and Triggers album and play Demi Moore as the last track. So, wait, after every podcast episode, you play Demi Moore? No, like we um, like we play um, whatever we're listening to at the time, like like whatever we agree upon, and then we'll just play something. Okay, very odd song to put at the end of every podcast. Yes, no, that would be weird. <laughs> Just like an interesting choice. Yeah. So you, you're like end credit. <laughs> well, interesting enough, did you, the reason that, uh, wait, Ali, the reason that she named the song was because of the fact that, uh, um, she said, right. I don't want to be stoned anymore, and people heard it as, I don't want to be stoned anymore. <laughs> Right. When I exactly when I first saw the name on the album, I'm like, "What the fuck is this song about? Like, is this some sort of social commentary or something?" And I didn't get it until I heard that interview. But um, I know that you have to go, and uh, your producer just uh, or your manager just called you. So um, I want to just say thank you for being on the show, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, it was really great talking with you. Where can people find you online if they want if you want them to follow you or something? Oh, well, here's an interesting story. My my uh, Instagram is currently at Sprightly Music, but I I am purchasing the name at Sprightly from an individual that currently owns it, and I feel like such a pissed woman. <laughs> at Sprightly on Instagram, um, and then Facebook is like I don't know, it's just. Facebook.com slash Brightly Band. Um, even though it's not really a band, don't tell anyone. And where else? Oh, I recently started tweeting again. Okay. What's the Twitter handle? Uh, I think that's Brightly Music, technically. I have my name currently. It's going to change very soon. But currently my name is Learning How to Tweet because <laughs> I'm so bad at Twitter that I needed to like kind of uh, map the whole the whole sprightly side of it before I, you know, got the hang of being social and funny and stuff. So working on it. Can I also right before we wrap up, can I ask where did the name Sprightly come from? Ah, yes. So 
it was summer break between freshman and sophomore year of college. And this is like kind of a lame story, but actually kind of a cool story. I had just started working out. <laughs> I've been such like couch potato my entire life. And then I started like running, going to gym. And I, every morning I'd wake up and I'd be like, I want to feel sprightly today. Like just like bouncy and light and energetic and motivated and stuff like all these things that like endorphins and whatever were giving me. Um, and I was saying that kind of throughout the whole summer and I went back to school and it occurred to me like, that's a cool word. What if I just like spelled it wrong? <laughs> so that's, that's how it came about. Well, thank you, Jillian. Thank you. It's thank been a pleasure. Always. And uh, we're going to close out the episode with one of Sprightly's tracks, uh, a, a track that me and Ali both really like, Miles. See 